0: In one Corinthians again today, and today we're looking at thirty verses, uh, the first thirty verses of one Corinthians twelve. Uh, Paul is talking about the church as the body of Christ. This is he's introducing this metaphor, this picture language of what is a church and what are its individual members, how do they work together. So let's get into it. Let's read these verses together, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 30. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptised by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We are all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. Now, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of that body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honourable, uh, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty. While our unpresentable parts need no while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honours to the parts that lacked it, so that there will be no division in the body, and that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, prophets; second, first of all, apostles; second, prophets; third, teachers; then miracles; then gifts of healing; then helping, of guidance; different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. Father, we. We want to thank you again for your word. We thank you that it just helps us to understand who we are, who we are as individual believers and how we fit together into this incredible body which is your body Christ. And we pray Lord Jesus that you would lead us and help us this morning and we ask Lord God that by your Holy Spirit you would open the scriptures to us. Amen. So we're kind of drawing our series to a close a bit. We've got I think one or two more outings into 1 Corinthians, and then we will move on to another series. But we're coming back to where Paul started a bit, really. And you remember how he started. His immediate concern, as he wrote to the Corinthians, was that they were a divided community. And they were divided in all sorts of ways, And different contexts uh, that they were in, uh, emphasised these divisions. So when they came together for communion, they... The, the rich people were eating uh, big meals, and the those who didn't have so much uh, were being left out, and there were all kinds of waste. It was chaos in the church in Corinth, and Paul is sort of returning to this theme of division, and he's demonstrating just how foreign this should be to the people of God, because he says, "Look, the the church, the gathered community of God's people, are one, one body," and And then he goes into the details of how a body kind of functions and how ridiculous it would be uh, if different parts of the body decided that they wanted to go their own way or do their own thing or not even be part of the whole. And so this picture demonstrates to us the vital need that we have, that you have, that I have of each other. It's literally baked in to God's plan that I would need you, and that you somehow would need me. Because we're one body, (laughs) that's that's how a body works. And again, Paul is gonna tell us all sorts of uh, kind of bizarre, what about if this would happen? And of course, this would be ridiculous if this were to happen. We'll look at that as we come to it. Christ's body is compromised of many individuals. Our, Our church here is too. And each are gloriously diverse and wonderfully gifted. And we were looking at some of those spiritual gifts last week. But more than just those wonderful spiritual gifts, your personalities and your experience and just who you are and your physical presence, all of which are vital for the strengthening and the building up and the well-being of Christ's body, the church. And the reason that Paul gives as to why this would be true is he says, "Look, you all have the same spirit. You've been given the same spirit during all of you, but you know rich and poor, um, you know whatever language you speak, whatever nation you come from, if you own Christ, you're one, because Christ lives in you. It's the same. You are the same. you own one another, and Christ owns all of you. And of course this picture is why often, you've probably heard it I'm sure many times, why the church is often called or referred to as the, the body of Christ. And Paul's concern here is not that we would you know, call ourselves the body of Christ, although that's helpful, but that, that's how we would behave. That our behaviour, our attitude, how we organise ourselves, this is how it would be, that you are one uh, together. Now, one of the issues, one of the divisive issues in the church in Corinth was, uh, and we know this by the way that Paul wrote, was that um, all the cool kids <laughs> wanted to speak in tongues. And I, I, I would try and imagine the scene, and we, of course, this is speculation, but it was chaos. We, don't, we certainly know that. That so many people are pushing themselves into a prominent position so they can make their contribution uh, verbally and. and uh, kind of corporately that there's no room for anybody else and they're all vying for their place they all want their voice to be heard and it's pretty chaotic and not much else can happen because you know oh, anyone who's anyone wants this gift and uh, he's he, he's saying look that's just it's chaos don't do it that way all of the gifts that god brings all of the characters all of the personalities all have a part to play and and, and so Paul is using partly this picture to counter that sort of pushing to the front attitude. There's no room for that, for pride, for self-promotion. There's no room for that in in Christ's body. There really isn't. The attitude is one of of humble contribution, of care and, uh, and love for those who find their contribution more difficult to make, whose contribution is more subtle. That's how it's to be. Christ Church and of course he also says look it's not just one blob it's a body it's multifaceted you know it's it's it, it, it all the parts are very different my hand is not like my foot and my eye is not like my ear but they are gloriously connected and make uh, the body what it is and make it function well and that's also important to know. This multifaceted body is built that way on purpose. Each, each of you, each part, has a vital and unique role. Now what about this? What if you feel that your actual contribution isn't the one you would choose? And Paul says, well, that might be true. Maybe you wish that you were this. Maybe you, Maybe you wish you were, you know, <laughs> the mouth. Uh, but actually you 're an ear <laughs> he says look it doesn 't mean it doesn 't make your contribution less important we, we need you to be an ear <laughs> we need you to be a listener where you might want to be a speaker your your role is vital and, and actually God organizes the gifting of god 's body of the church he 's organizing it it 's not my kingdom it 's not your kingdom it 's his and he 's organizing it the way he Wants it, and he says, "Look, in fact, he says the foot, in wanting to be a hand, doesn't stop being part of the body. So you can't just wish away your contribution. You need to make it." And he says, and he's making jokes, really. He's saying, "Look, uh, if the whole body were an eye, how would it hear? If the whole body were..." Uh, an eye or, or an ear, how would it smell? And that sounds like a joke, and maybe it is a joke. You know, if, if the whole body were an eye, how would it smell? Boom, boom terrible. <laughs> um, but each one needs to function in their God-given role. Now here's the thing, you might spend your life wishing you were something different, that you had different gifts, that you had a different personality maybe, that God had designed you differently. But again, remember, it's his body, it's his kingdom. He's done it on purpose. The designer knows best. The creator and the head of the church knows how the body needs to function. Paul says, just at the end of this passage, he says, desire the greater gifts. And that's, <laughs> you know, I think it seems like on, on the surface a contribution, because immediate in our minds, maybe, certainly in my mind as I first ever read this, when Paul says desire the greater gifts, desire the greater contributions as it were, we think of the more prominent ones, the contributions where you get a microphone, or the the contributions where you're standing in front of people, maybe like I'm doing now, and we can feel as if, well Paul you seem to be contradicting all you're saying about how important the different aspects of the church are, and the that the serving gifts and the hospitality gifts and the organisational gifts. So you, you seem to be contradicting that by saying seek the greater gifts. But this is what Paul actually means. He doesn't mean the showy gifts. He doesn't mean the visible gifts or the ones that, that, that seem to put you in the spotlight. He means the gifts that most serve the body. That's the greater gifts. Remember how Jesus came. He came to serve and not to be served. He's the one who washed his disciples feet. This this is our God, this is the head of the church. The greater gifts are the ones that make the greatest contribution and serve the body best. That's how to think. Those are the greater gifts, as it were. If, if we do have that attitude that the greater gifts are the more prominent ones, and I think that is something that we need to, to think about personally, we might also think of it in this way, that there are, there are other gifts that we can easily dismiss as not important. <laughs> We've talked about some of them, but the body needs all of its parts to function properly. And then even, Paul goes on to say, there are special parts of body which we, treat, which we treat with particular honour and dignity. There are bits of the body which we hide away and rightly so. And that's true in the church as well. There are certain people, part of our family for whom life has been just very hard and we need to protect them and envelop them and, and we don't want to put them on display. They need to be held and kept and watched over carefully because life has dealt blows to them that we don't want to put on display, we don't want to expose them unnecessarily. So we protect them and we watch over them, we look after them. We're gracious and treat people with real mercy. So what, what is Paul saying when <laughs> he's saying this? He says, don't fall into the trap of ranking people in the church as more or less important because of the different roles they have or that those roles are more or less worthy. Don't fall into that trap. It's an easy one to fall into, it's wrong. We rejoice with those who rejoice, we celebrate with those who celebrate, we weep with those who weep, we we, we celebrate all the gifts and all the people in his church. I guess the question might rise and it might be rising in you now. It's like what is, well okay, so church is a body, the parts are important, different contributions are made, some have more prominence. some don't, that's not how to gauge it, serving Christ is all. So what's my God-given contribution then? How do I know? What what am I? Am I a hand? Am I a foot? Am I an eye? Am I an ear? Am I a mouth? What am I? How do I fit into this? Where do I most bless this body? What part of the body am I? Now here's a really important part of this picture. Some people get stuck for a whole lifetime wishing and wanting to be something that they're not. It's it's, it's pastorally very difficult. It's a tough one. People wanting desperately to be something that God has not gifted them to be. And I want to just help, just in a, f- a few short points to help you maybe work out if you're not sure how do I work out what is my contribution? I don't want to, I don't want to be chasing things that aren't fruitful. I don't want to be chasing things simply because they seem more glamorous or they would make you know, my pro- my contribution more, uh, you know, visible than other gifts. But what if, uh, what if I'm totally convinced I'm supposed to be a mouth, but no one listens when I speak? What if I think I'm supposed to be a foot, but no one follows where I go? How do I work these things out? It's not, it's not always easy. Well, number one, let's start like this. What are your natural abilities? Now, God sometimes gifts people for things that they once seemed very unsuited, and the Bible is full of stories of that, but he also often breathes on natural abilities. He does, he breathes on our natural abilities, and so start there. It's a good place to start, it's a simple place to start. You probably know the things that you're naturally good at, and at least you can start serving in those areas (laughs) without any problems. Start doing those things, start making that contribution to the body by doing the things that you're naturally good at. Secondly, Maybe the most important point. Talk to older, wiser, trusted believers. Spiritual people. And these often will recognise gifting in others and give you an honest opinion as to what your gifting is. And here's maybe (laughs) of an important point, the most important part of this point. When you speak to them, listen. Listen to what they have to say please do listen to them. Don't spend a life chasing after something that you hope would be true that actually isn't what God is leading you into. It takes a lot of humility to do that. Go to someone and say, look, I just I, I feel like I want to do this. <laughs> I feel like this should be my contribution. Maybe people have, have come and spoken words of prophecy over you and you feel that's something that God's called you to, but do then take that humbly to others and say, help me. Help me work this through, am I anywhere near that? Is it happening yet? Is it something I have to wait for? Is it something I have to work for? Is it something I have to pray about? Thirdly, the Holy Spirit will not just put a desire in you. He will often, and again, one of the, re- one of the ways to recognise that a gifting and a contribution to Christ's body is developing in you, is that he will give you opportunities in line with that gifting that go with that desire. And when that happens, take the opportunities, (laughs) take those opportunities. So maybe you feel like, do you know what? I think my contribution to Christ's body is hospitality. I I just think I'm good. It feels like a natural thing at welcoming people into my home, just blessing with food and just good at talking to people that I don't know very well, good with new folk, all sorts of things around hospitality Well, God will often give us opportunities where we suddenly find, oh, here's an opportunity to do that. (laughs) And when those opportunities come along, when you're feeling that's what God's calling you to, take the opportunities. It's a really simple thing. But don't, uh, you know, don't kind of avoid them when they come. And again, you might avoid them because you might think, well, I think I'm good at at hospitality, but actually, I want to be a preacher. Do you see what I mean? You could... Easily in desiring to be something that maybe God isn't gifting you to be, you can miss the thing that God is asking you to do. And so please take the opportunities when they come when they come along. So here's a personal story I wanted as a young, much younger man. I really wanted to be an evangelist. I wanted to be able to speak the gospel, to preach the gospel, and see people come to Christ. And I spent many, many years knocking on speaking, to, talking to people in the street, preaching on the street, reading and learning about the great evangelists of uh, of history. And wh- what I found was this, often when I'd be in a, in a context seeking to share my faith, I was always the one that ended up talking to the Christian in the crowd, just randomly, by accident, it seemed. And the truth is that <laughs> That I'm not an evangelist and I, I wasn't going to be. But even in the seeking after and the hoping and the wanting, God led me in his direction anyway in the end. And actually, what am I? Well, I'm a pastor teacher. That's really what I am. And so God led me to the Christians in the crowd. So what I, what I, was, what I wasn't doing really was sharing the gospel with an unbeliever. What I was doing in the crowd was encouraging a believer And that's, I think, what my role really is. That's my contribution, by and large. But if that is you, pray again, ask God for guidance, humbly accept what is, rather than desperately desiring what might not be. And again, talk to those older and wiser Christians, ask them for their wisdom to help you and guide you. Fifthly, my my dear old dad said this and often the the question is is around leadership and where where do i fit in the in the in, a, in a le- as a leadership uh kind of candidate or in the leadership role in the church and uh we had uh, when i was just young we we had this discussion around would i follow dad into the family business or would i pursue um a calling that i'd felt god had put on me And uh, uh, my dad said this to me and it's always stayed with me and I think it's very wise, hugely pragmatic Uh, and you might want to think about this a little bit but he said this to me, he says it's easy easy to know if you're a leader, he said look behind you, it's it's easy to know if you're a leader, just look behind you, Um, I'm not going to expand on that, you need to think about that for yourself, the question I suppose would come later. Is, uh, is, if people are following you, where are you going? <laughs> That's a very important question, but if you, it's easy to know if you're a leader, look behind you. Um, sixthly, do with what do, do well with what is already in your hands. What has God already given you to do? And serve in the task that you have today with faithfulness and commitment. Actually, here's the thing, Faithfulness is the godly part. Faithfulness is the godly part, the scope and size of the task, less important. (laughs) So you can be faithful, you can do the most godly part of the task in, in putting out chairs. You can reflect Christ in how you welcome people, in how you give financially. You can reflect Christ in the faithfulness with which you do the task, the size and scope of the task, eh? Not so important. And of course, we flip it the other way around. We think the size and scope of the task—that's everything. That's the all of it. It's, biblically, it is not. <laughs> it's the faithfulness with which we do the thing, with which we make our contribution. That's where the eyes of God are. That's where the pleasure and the blessing of God is, in faithfully doing what He's put in your hands today, and seeing that He will give you more things if you're faithful with the things that you have right now. Seventhly, celebrate one another. Celebrate the diversity of personality and gifting that God has given us. Get to know people who are not like you. Get to know people who are not gifted like you. Get to know people, go and spend time with people. Even today, even as we're meeting today, go and talk to people who are your brothers and sisters or part of Christ's body who you've never spoken to. Not because it's a little game or, you know, well, that's what we're doing today. Because you are united together. You are one. You carry the same spirit. You need each other. There are contributions that you have to make one to another that you're not making because you're simply not talking and interacting one with another. Don't fall into the faction problem that the Corinthians had. Learn from one another. Celebrate one another. And in doing that, we're celebrating what Christ has done amongst us. And here's the final point, the eighth, eighth and final point. It's so simple. If you want to lead in this Christ body, if you want to uh, be great in God's kingdom, if you want to lead, serve. Because that's where we're going. (laughs) That's who Christ was. That's how he lived. That's how he demonstrated the heart of God. It's how he shared the goodness of the Creator. He came and he served. That's where we're going. If you want to lead, serve. Father, I thank you so much for your word and I pray just help us to be and reflect your glorious, diverse body with all its different facets. Lord, with all its diversity, Father, we want to reflect Jesus in all that we do. And we want the world to see here's something unique. God has made something unique and special here on the planet, and it's his wonderful church. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.